This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Two, one. Welcome into the online choir. For, oh, let's start that again. <laughs> Three, two, one again. <laughs> Three, two, one. Take two. Welcome into the online choir podcast. Jeremy Warner, Ryan Easterling here with me today. Been a while since I talked with Ryan Easterling, but it is Wednesday, December 8th, just a week before the early signing period. And this early signing period is just causing all kinds of commotion on the uh, coaching carousel because these firings happen sooner. Uh, they happen before bowl games. They happen before uh, college football playoff games, before you know even these conference championship games. Uh, so it's been pretty crazy, uh, but the early signing period is here. It is is still in December, which I would like to see it August if it's at any point. But uh, that's that's another conversation for another day. But we're going to talk about the class of 2022 that Illinois has right now. A last push for commitments before the early signing period with a couple key official visits this weekend. Remaining targets and uh, transfer portal getting hot and heavy now. Illinois making some offers there, hosting some players for visits. And uh, they have many needs in the transfer portal after this huge super senior class is gone. So, Ryan, this is just a huge time in uh, roster building for Brett B. And his second year, but really his first full year of building this roster. Yeah, and think about it. The first full year is probably the year when they've lost more players from the program than any other year in the past, just between, you know, coaching transition between Lovey Smith and Brett Bielema, as well as the COVID year that allowed guys an extra senior season. And now the transfer portal is blowing up more than it ever has in the past. So, you know, it's this big game of musical chairs all across the country. And then you throw in the mix the amount of coaching upheaval there's been this offseason. I mean, you look at the jobs that have come open in this offseason, and it's it I don't want to call it unprecedented because I'm sure there's probably been once or twice where there's been some big shakeups like this. But when you look at USC, Oklahoma, Miami, uh, Oregon, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, Florida. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, said, that's at least six ad. top 15 LSU, LSU. Yeah, I mean, there's, okay. there's been a ton of, a ton of upheaval. And then there's ACC jobs that are open. There's a couple big 12 jobs that are open. So, I mean, it's been a huge amount of uh, just movement in the whole college football scene. And except so, the big 10, right? Yeah. Except the Scott Frost still there. He's still there. Yeah. I mean, they, they fired their OC and just hired Whipple from Pitt, which that was kind of surprising, but um you know, Big Ten's fairly well held serve, at least at the top. Yeah. So I hope I didn't just jinx it. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, we know there's going to be roster turnover. Uh, obviously, with all these super seniors leaving, Daniel Barker enters the draft. We'll see if anybody else does. Don't think there's any, like, 
guys that are guaranteed to be NFL draft picks. So I like Vidarian Lowe at the next level. Some people really like Daniel Barker that I've talked to. Uh, some of those offensive line, Doug Kramer, Alex Pocheski certainly will have some opportunities. Owen Carney. Uh, I think Isaiah Gay has made, paid, played himself into a chance. And you know, James McCourt and Blake Hayes, you see them doing what they've been doing the last couple of years. And you see some of the kickers and punters in the NFL. And, and they should certainly have opportunities as well as Ethan Tabell, the long snapper. But um, – you're going to have more turnover because Brett Bielman now has had a year to see these guys work. And we've seen five guys enter the transfer portal already. Jafar Armstrong, that transfer did not work out, right? Eddie Smith, that transfer did not work out. Wasn't a strong transfer class first year for Brett Bielma. Uh, then you had Kendall Smith, Derek Smith, Marquez Beeson, the headliner there. Certainly just wasn't the same player after that injury. And, and we haven't seen him get big-time FBS offers here. So just feels like he wasn't the same player after, unfortunately, that injury. Uh, but Illinois, by the way, really taking a break from a guy with the last name Smith here, Ryan. Uh, Eddie, Kendall, um, Derek. Lovey. Lovey, my. Miles, like all on the way out here, but their football center still named uh, Smith after the donors, not Lovey himself. But I would expect more names down to the portal. Uh, I, I'm kind of almost surprised we haven't seen more already. Uh, Illinois will hit that seven mark where they can sign 32 players, but it's about getting under 85, right? Like you, you got so many schools that have to get back under 85 scholarships that a lot of these guys are going to know the portal, and, and I just don't know how many you know, roster spots are across the country. But if you're a good player, you're going to find spots. But some of these guys low on the depth chart might find themselves going down a level. Yeah, there are a lot of guys that have entered the transfer portal that are probably not going to be on an FBS or roster next year. And there's, you know, that's going to push guys down to FCS. And there's going to be some FCS guys that have hit the portal that are probably going to end up in D2. And it's just kind of how the situation is playing out right now. You know, this is, this is really putting a crunch on a lot of the prep prospects that are – that are out there that are looking for spots and are having their spots taken by transfers. And so think of a guy like James Kurtz, fantastic senior year, right? That guy should have plenty of group of five offers, but there's other programs that are waiting to see if they could fill that in with a more ready-made plug and play experienced at the college level type player. And so, you know, there are a lot of marginal to, to solid high school players or Juco players even that are now finding themselves having to play. They're in limbo uh, because they're waiting to see what colleges do with all the transfer movement. So, you know, and colleges are going to, you know, it's it's a competitive cutthroat uh, field. So they're going to go out there and try and get the best players they possibly can by any means necessary. And, and unfortunately, that's going to leave some people hanging. Yeah, so we'll see what happens here. Um, you know, Moses Akpala no longer on the team. Sounds like, I uh, can't confirm this quite yet, but is football going to be his future? He's not in the transfer portal. Um, so we'll see with Moses. Just a, a fantastic kid uh, in my time covering him. Certainly had a high ceiling at offensive tackle, but was kind of buried on that depth chart. And it sounded like there was an injury or, or something involved there. So we'll see uh, if, if Moses talks about what that was. Uh, but they obviously have a lot of holes to fill. And we'll get into that, of how they fill those holes in the transfer portal but I would not be surprised Ryan to see fourth fifth six year guy fifth or six year guys not get an extra year of eligibility 
right? Because the Illinois only has to give them four. So guys that are buried on the depth chart, wouldn't be a surprise to see them gone. And just guys they didn't recruit, right? Um, you know, lower on the depth chart that they say, hey, we don't see where you're going to fit here. Those guys usually want to go elsewhere. So I would expect more turnover here as we go through. And and that's all for Illinois to have more spots to, you know, fill in the roster. It's a tough part of this, right, Ryan? Um, but this is major business now, what these coaches are making what the players can now make, right? But uh, they are guaranteed four years of scholarship if they want to be here, but we know how college football operates. Yeah, and the other part of it, too, is with getting back to the transfer portal is once a guy enters the transfer portal, the school is no longer obligated to honor that scholarship yeah. the second that they enter into the portal. So, you know, it's one of those things where you don't want to make a rash decision, and maybe that is where some of these guys have been a little slow to jump in, especially seeing the number of guys that have jumped in. Um, but I, I'm kind of with you. I think that there's a number of guys on this current roster that are going to look for opportunities elsewhere. And, you know, a certain number of them, I think, will find spots elsewhere. I mean, there are some solid players that just aren't probably a good fit for what Illinois is doing now, especially on offense. Look, look you know, at Derek Smith, by the way. Third Power yeah. 5 school. Uh, he gets didn't work out at Miami, gets to Illinois, didn't work out at Illinois, now at Arizona State. Head West, young man. <laughs> Um, you know, but I mean, I, I think there's going to be guys that find some spots. They're solid players that just aren't good fits for this scheme or, you know, maybe want to get somewhere a little closer to home. You know, that, and that's what happens kind of like when you have coaches that recruit to different regions from further away. You know, guys are away from home and they come out there because they think they're going to be a fit in the system. They're going to be, you know, they were recruited by certain coaches to the program. And then when none of those things really have the same weight or the same gravitas that they used to, Nobody can really blame them for wanting to go closer to home and maybe play somewhere that they, they are a better fit and will get playing time. So the class of 2022 so far, Ryan, 19 commitments. It's number 44 nationally, which would be the best since 2010 if Illinois ends top 45 here. Uh, they still got some work to do to do that. Number 11 in the Big Ten. It's the lowest average star rating in the Big Ten. So I don't think either, either of us is going to come out here and say, what an amazing class. This is the game-changing class. I do think it's a good foundation. Right, I, I think they've filled needs. I think they've done a pretty good job evaluating. I think the process they followed of getting out in front of a lot of recruitments, obviously the in-state, they have done an unbelievable job of repairing relationships and just making those kids a priority. Haven't won all of those, and there's not a lot of headliners in this class. There are some good Power 5 wins, some good Power 5 prospects, but what are your thoughts on, on what Brett Bielma has assembled in his first year of recruiting? Well, I think we've used the word foundational for a while now, and really that's what they wanted to do because especially with the recent performance of the program, uh, you know, combined with the fact that it's a new staff that's still trying to redevelop some relationships in key recruiting territories, I don't think anybody really expected them to go out there and just blow the roof off of recruiting this year. And frankly, they had to show something on the field. And a lot of guys committed early this cycle because of COVID, trying to get spots, which now in hindsight looks like a brilliant move from a lot of these recruits that are in before the transfer portal really took off. Um, but I, th I think they got like a lot of guys at key positions that fill needs. Uh, they've still got some needs that definitely need to be addressed, and some of that will be via the portal. But in general, I, I think they did a good job. And the, th the thing to me that stands out about this class that I think is going to be a huge boost is the fact that so many of those guys are enrolling early and they're going to be there in the spring. They'll get into college strength and conditioning early, um, you know, because there's probably a handful of those guys that might have to play early. 
Um, I doubt really any of the offensive linemen will fit into that case. Uh, I typically you just want to redshirt him, give him time to adjust, get physically ready because it's it's different for offensive linemen. But there are some skill guys and potentially some defensive players that could get on the field early, and them being there in January and going through spring ball and going through winter workouts is going to be a huge benefit to those guys to give them a leg up as they get started in their college careers. Yeah, I think there's six or seven, uh, I believe, that already are going to be doing that. So that's that's pretty big for those guys to get in here and just get that head start and get in the system, right? I, I think that's that's huge. And obviously with Tank Wright, uh, that's a big deal as well. So uh, I think they have addressed offensive line, wide receiver, tight end. They get their hand-picked quarterback. That's still going to be the biggest need uh, every year until they get that one right defensively it might have helped them to not fill all these spots until later right because their defense took a huge step forward and now they're they're going to make a play for a couple more guys here getting elijah mccantos who had a really impressive offer list now you know penn state michigan didn't seem to be pushing for him at the end of this but they had offered him uh thinking he's that good of a prospect that he needs to be on their board uh so i think he's a, a really good get uh here recently and now this weekend they're going to make a push uh, for a couple more guys, and, and let's talk about that. The last official visit weekend before the early signing period, so one last push. So these are, are, are names we should know and Illini fans should know. The first one at the top of this list is, is potentially one of the top headliners in this class. He's currently a Cal commit, three-star Texas edge rusher, Curly Thomas. Love the name, love the game as well. I know you and I have kind of been – uh, watching his highlights here recently, six foot four, two hundred forty pounds, more than forty Division One scholarship offers. Had taken officials to, to schools like Michigan State, Cal uh, during the. Uh, summer period here Ryan uh, but to get him on campus seems like a pretty good thing Cal is really fighting Justin Wilcox and his staff uh, we're in to see him this weekend uh, but uh, he's, he seems really intrigued by the Big Ten and really intrigued by what Illinois was able to do with both Isaiah Gay and uh, Owen Carney this year and, and potentially playing against some of the best offensive linemen in the country so what, what do you make of Curly Thomas and Illinois getting him on campus potentially with a chance to flip him I think he's a really solid and talented prospect. I mean, obviously that Dallas, Texas Metroplex area produces a lot of great talent year in, year out. And it's a guy that Kevin Kane has had a relationship with since he was at SMU. So they've got, they've got that history there. So that helps Illinois. And it's probably a big reason that Illinois has remained on the radar, but you know, I think he is the kind of guy that we've talked about this throughout the day as we were watching that tape is he's the kind of guy who could potentially be a 3-4 defensive end, potentially split out as a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's just got that versatility, but he's just a good football player. Uh, he's just a really good football player. He's fundamentally sound. He's got good size, great strength. I, th I think the first thing that really jumped out to me was his motor. Uh, he plays with a really relentless motor. He plays tough. He's not afraid to go up against any sort of offensive lineman. You know, he's physical at the point of attack and, and pursues the quarterback. So, you know, obviously I, he's probably a guy that would be more physically ready-made to jump in early. And Illinois lost a lot to graduation this year on the edge. Um, you know, they were they had okay depth there thanks to staying healthy most of the year. Um, but you lose Owen Carney, you lose Isaiah Gay, and you've got to replace them. Seth Coleman's probably one of the two guys that, that slots in there. And then you get Alec Bryant next year, the Virginia Tech transfer that came over. But, you know, you still need some depth there. And a guy like him uh, in, in the near term and then moving forward uh, could really give you a, a piece that you could build around on that defensive front. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, he uses his hands incredibly well, really long, um, does a really good job, strong for his age, and, and, and is a developed football player. You can tell he's been coached really well at Nolan Catholic there in Fort Worth. I, I want to mention him. He, he's not visiting this weekend because he visited a couple weeks ago, but Gabe Jockis is a two-lane commit, a uh, three-star edge rusher out of Florida. He visited a couple weeks ago Northwestern, uh, and, and he looks the part. I mean, he, he looks like he's built like Owen Carney already, um, but that's another one. Like, an edge rusher is a huge uh, push they're making here at the end. I think Jockis's film is pretty impressive as well. So you have Jared Beatty already, who's a little bit thinner, a little bit more narrow, but a really good athlete. Uh, maybe a guy who can drop into coverage a little bit more. Uh, then you get Curly Thomas, who just broke down. What do you think Gabe Jockis, if they're able to flip him, what he could bring? I think Jockis is the kind of guy that can create some disruption in the backfield um, just by being a you know, pursuit, getting in there, pushing back offensive linemen, maybe speed rushing defensive tackles every now and then, you know, between Beatty, Jackis, and Curly Thomas, I think they each give you something a little bit different or a little bit different flavor uh, as far as an edge pressure. Um, you know, Beatty is a guy that's got that long speed rush. He can get around the edge just because he's so quick and has such good agility. Jackis is a kind of guy that'll just get right up in your grill. And if you're not, you know, if you don't keep your weight forward, he'll get you on your heels and get you off balance and get into that backfield. So I think each of those guys brings something a little bit different to the table. I know why Ryan um, loves Jockis. Is it because he's Jamaican? No, he's, he's a wrestler. He's a great wrestler, it, it, too. Yes. He's yes. a state champion yeah. in Florida. See, it's meant to be. <laughs> Um, but I, th I think they each give something different. And what we've seen, too, from, from Ryan Walter so far and the way he calls his defense is he'll throw whatever he needs to throw at an opposing offense in order to gain an advantage. He plays very, very matchup-specific football, which is a far departure from Illinois' previous defensive coordinator. So, you know, I think he'll use, and he would love to have these different pieces, these different tools at his disposal uh, especially up front, because I think this Illinois defense was really at its best whenever they were creating disruption in the backfield. Like you look at some of those turnovers that Kirby Joseph was able to get. A lot of that happened because they were able to get in a quarterback's face, force a pad throw, and you know those guys were in the position they needed to be in, and they made the place. But it all started up front, and they were able to get that disruption. Apparently, Ryan Walters really likes long really long and tall uh, safety or defensive backs prospects because the last couple of weeks they've offered two of them. One was Ohio commit kid out of Texas, Jaden Lawton. Uh, the other one was a Georgia kid, Tyson Rooks, who's only played one year of football, but is starting to get some uh, high level interest. Illinois, the first power five offer PJ and Minnesota come in offer him this week as well. But Tyson Rooks is visiting this weekend. Lawton got an offer from uh, close to close to home SMU, which will be interesting to see. Uh, but Rooks visiting uh, on campus this week. That seems to be a good sign for Illinois. Uh, what have you seen from Rooks and Lawton, Ryan? Well, I, th I think Rooks has a lot of that raw athleticism that you can take and develop and mold over time. I, I would really not expect a whole lot from him early on. Um, but there are six the things. Five. Are really, he's six huge. Five. And I'm like, corner? No. But, I mean, he shows some of that ability. I think that a lot of it is just a matter of working on the technical side of it because he's just not that experienced. He hasn't been going through a lot of the drills and practice for an extended amount of time. I am curious to know how he got into football. I would really love to know that story because, you know, a guy like him you know, probably had hoop dreams and somebody said, hey, you should try out for football. It's exactly it's what it was. Classic case. Yeah, exactly classic case. But, but, you know, a guy like him, I mean, that range is, is tough to – tough to find 
um, and a guy that can cover the ground he can. One thing that stood out to me on his film was um, whenever there was a breakaway play away from him, he has really, really good closing speed, because uh, partially because he's a long strider, but he's got really, really good closing speed, and he takes good angles. Uh, I think he's got good instinct on the angles he needs to take. I, I think there are some fluidity things he'll need to work on. He'll need to work on his technique a lot more. He's he's pretty high high uh, center of gravity in his back pedal. I think he's got to get a lot lower and, and more fluid in his back pedal. But I, you know, he's a guy that if you're patient with him for about two three years, give or take, that I think he could eventually turn into a prospect just because he has those athletic tools. And prime example, a guy like Kirby Joseph flip-flopped between two different sides of the ball i'm sure that's what the pitch is is hey we're gonna we're gonna take this crazy athleticism you have and mold you into a guy that can be like that i remember the kirby joseph film like when they offered him i was like i like him as a wide receiver a little bit more than the defensive back and it it was it was interesting because i i was like man i I just don't know how he fits there and with the previous staff it obviously didn't work but he gets with Ryan, and he just plays the center fielder role. He doesn't have to come up in the box very much, and I don't think you want to put Tyson Orks in the box very much because he just doesn't know how to tackle well yet. Uh, I mean, he's physical, but he, he just doesn't know um, you know, exactly how to do that stuff yet. But he can just roam the back and make everyone's job easier if he can cover that much ground. As you said, he can cover a lot of ground. So just an interesting prospect long-term that I agree with you. It's going to take some time. One more guy I want to mention here. I've thought all along it's going to be difficult for Illinois to, to make this kind of flip, but we just got to mention Cody Jones. Four-star defensive back out of Tennessee. Illinois has put a lot of effort into recruiting him. He's a Michigan commitment right now. Tennessee is involved. Tennessee's visited him. Illinois has visited him in the past couple of weeks. Brett Bielema uh, and Corey Patterson both visited him here recently. So they still think there's a chance to make this flip and Michigan keeps adding prospects to their class I think they got a DB here recently Michigan wants to keep Cody Jones but it's just one to know about I've thought all along it'd be difficult but they keep putting in the effort Ryan so that would be the dream right is is to flip him flip Curly Thomas and really add with a lot of momentum potentially getting to the top 40 here uh, and top maybe nine or eight in the Big Ten Um, so just worth mentioning I think it's going to be tough given the year Michigan had given Tennessee being the home state school uh, but BMO and Corey Patterson have been working this one yeah this almost feels a little bit like Justin Green from years back you know, Justin Green was an Ohio State guy, but they, they recruited some other players that had talent at, at similar positions. And he saw an opportunity to go go get some playing time early somewhere else and be the guy in the class. Um, you know, here the difference is that Illinois kind of has their inroads in the relationships uh, with Tank Wright, knowing knowing his, you know, his coach and knowing the family so well. Um, but, you know, you see the improvement that the defense has made, and that's that's probably the other big sell to Jones. And it's like, hey, man, you can really excel and star in this defense. And start um, right away, potentially. Yes. Um, the other thing, too, is Michigan's, Michigan's still recruiting a lot of defensive backs. Now, to be fair, most of those lately have been safeties. So Keon Sab, for instance, the, um, you know, the safety from IMG, uh, recently decommitted from Clemson. Michigan's really involved there, but it'll be interesting to see because Cody is one of their highest rated recruits. Yeah. Um, and so if Illinois is able to go in there and, and steal that, that would be a huge pull. Um, and the other thing I think he could bring is a, a major threat in the return game. You know, 
Illinois has had some flashes here and there, but they really haven't had anybody that was a successful return guy since Piangelo Bentley. And he just kind of like surprised into that role. Um, so Cody Jones is a kind of a, I'd say a legitimate threat to break a big play anytime he gets the ball in his hands. But I mean, he's, he's a good defensive back. He's got the skill. He's definitely got the athleticism. And I think he's a guy that could play right away if he, if he did come here. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Ryan, let's let's flip to the transfer market because this is uh, even more urgent, I think, than, than anything because spring ball is right around the corner. The, you know, Winter semester starts basically in, in five weeks here. And the number one target, of course, is a quarterback. And there is urgency from the staff to bring one in in spring ball because right now your starting quarterback during spring ball would probably be Ryan Johnson former Division II uh, quarterback who walked on at Illinois, was the number three guy this past year. But with Art Sikowski out with injury, two separate surgeries, with Brandon Peters now gone, and Matt Robinson and Samari Collier were below Johnson on the, on the depth chart this year, um, that's what it looks like. So you'd love to get your guy in early here and get him the reps, get him so many reps, get him comfortable, and just get him going because the guy they bring in is most likely going to start. Right, Art Sikowski, don't want to count him out. Maybe a year of, of health uh, will do him well. He's been in the system. He's a fantastic leader. I think he's great to have in the quarterback room. But obviously on the field, it, it just hasn't been enough for Illinois or for Rutgers before that. So this is the most important one, and so far they've hosted one. Tommy DeVito, Syracuse quarterback, one year of eligibility. Certainly had a really good 2019 under Dino Babers. I think it's a good thing to learn under Dino Babers, pretty good quarterback coach. Uh, and you watch the film. Tommy DeVito's got the tools, right? He gets rid of the ball really quickly. He's got a great arm. He can really move. Uh, but he did have some inconsistency, had some injuries at Syracuse, lost his job this year as a starter as they went to more of an option offense under Dino, kind of flipped things up as they were struggling to score. They also struggled to defend and protect their quarterback, by the way. Um, but Garrett Schrader went in, ran the ball a lot more effectively, another transfer from Mississippi State. But uh, what do you think about Tommy DeVito, first of all, and then we can dive into some potential other options. Well, I, I don't think all the struggles that he underwent at Syracuse were necessarily on him. Now, I, I think there's some areas where he probably could have performed better. But, I mean, he's the kind of guy that's got experience. He played at a pretty good high school in Jersey. And, you know, he's got a lot of starting experience at the D1 level, at the FBS Power 5 level. So, and this staff loves their Jersey you know, quarterbacks, by the way. Arts, Donovan oh, Leary, you had Tommy DeVito potentially. It's the Jersey boys. They offered Marco Lanes in 23. So... I mean, yeah, they love those guys. And and the thing I think about DeVito is if if he is the guy, 
you know, obviously I think he'll play with a chip on his shoulder too. Cause I think after what happened at Syracuse, he feels like he has something to prove, but on top of that, I mean, I, I think he could, he could make it work. You know, there's probably better options out there in the portal. And you look every day, another big name comes in there and the room just gets more and more crowded. So personally, if it's me, I, I think I'm patient and I waited out a little bit longer to see what else shakes out, especially after bowl season. But considering all the guys that are in there right now, plus the fact that a lot of these schools have their surefire starters, and that's the reason a lot of these guys left. I mean, there's, there's no shortage and no reason you can't go out there and get a bona fide surefire starting quarterback, unless you really botch this cycle up. Well, I'll, I'll say this, Tommy DeVito would be a bona fide sure starter at Illinois. There's no, yeah. like, here's how, here's how I feel about Tommy. He's, DeVito. he's better than anything they've had the last few years. That's I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, at I, all. I think Tommy DeVito is like, if you took him now, I couldn't blame Illinois because I feel like he's by far the best option they would have next year. Is he a huge improvement over Brandon Peters? I'm not sure. I don't know. But Brandon Peters played pretty well the last four or five games, right? Like, if you get that kind of quarterback play all season, you're in a bowl game right now. So if they feel like Tommy DeVito can do those things that Brandon did the last four games, I think Illinois is like, yeah, let's take him. We, we could run the ball. Um, the problem is your offensive line's undergoing a lot of change. We'll talk about that here in a second. And I still think their defense can be pretty dang good next year. So they don't need... And I think Illinois would probably tell everybody this. You know, Spencer Rattler isn't coming to Illinois, right? Like, Harrison Bailey's probably going to have better options than Illinois. There's some other big-name former five-star, like what's the kid from LSU, Max Johnson, just entered. He's going to have better options than Illinois. Um, Miles Brennan. So, yeah, Miles Brennan. I I think Jack Plummer from Purdue is probably going to have better. I would have... Some people are like, what well, do you really want Jack Palmer? I'd take him in an instant. Uh, if he wants to play at Illinois, he's got a couple years of eligibility, right? And he's he's performed well at the Big Ten level. Now he wouldn't have Illinois' receivers, but that's where I think if you think Illinois is getting an A option here, it's probably unrealistic. But I do think there's the timing is a really interesting part here, Ryan, because how patient can they be? I agree with you in an ideal world. You'd be a little patient. See what else you can get here. But if Tommy DeVito wants to come on board, I couldn't blame him for taking him. I, I I really couldn't because a bird in the hand, you know he's got a lot of experience. And I asked a couple weeks ago Tony Pearson what he looks for in a quarterback, and he talked about a lot of just having experience and having success at a previous spot. And, and DeVito has had that. Maybe it wasn't to what he wanted or Syracuse wanted ultimately, but you know he can be a Power 5 quarterback um, and, and be a solid one that can move the ball. And his deep ball is unbelievable. Like he's He can really throw it. Um, maybe not the most accurate. That's where he's got to improve. And some of that was on his team, man. Like his protection was really bad. But there's the tools you want. But do you, do you go for the C plus B minus guy right away or do you wait a couple weeks potentially missing out on a guy like DeVito and trying to get the, the B-plus guy? I don't know if the A guy Illinois is able to get. No, I, I don't think they're going to get one of the top five guys. Like, But, you know, I, I think they probably try to get somebody by Christmas. And I think you'll see you'll see some movement within the next two weeks because they don't want to wait too long. But, you know, as, as things take more and more shape, as there's more and more coaching movement, I think that maybe another guy or two frees up and it's not necessarily that you're going to get one of those guys that frees up, but that might bump the, bump the pecking order down a little bit or 
the, you know, the, the more quarterbacks the they get in the portal, the better for Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> the quarterback portal power rankings. You know, it it allows them to get somebody up higher. Because to my point earlier, that's a gr- that's a great know, story. You should do that, Ryan. Like the best oh, quarterback available jobs. <laughs> Where Illinois but, uh, ranks on that? It's like a sliding scale. But to to my point earlier, though, a lot of these guys are leaving because they they don't feel like they got the job at their current school, or maybe there's another reason they left. But a lot of the schools that are leaving have starters. And so that's less spots that are really attractive to guys like that. So if they're looking for immediate playing time, there's only so many of those that are going to be out there. And with the number of guys that are out there that are quality, top-level quarterbacks, I think you can do pretty well. You know, Whether it's DeVito or one of these other guys, there's a number of guys out there. And I think they should be able to do pretty well. And I'd like to see them maybe take another week, week and a half. Yeah get it done and then you've got your guy for the spring because especially even even if art comes off that injury is is in good shape like it's gonna take him time to get his mechanics back he's gonna have to trust that shoulder he's probably gonna have some rust i mean he'll he'll be in the film room i'm sure as he's recovering quite a bit but you know just the the mechanics of getting the muscle and the range of motion built back up and who knows it may not be entirely the same as it used to be so yeah i I think you've got to get a guy and you know, we, we've talked about the difference between one-year guys versus multi-year guys. The one-year guy is a good stopgap, but if you can get a multi-year guy, that allows Tony Peterson and the, the rest of the staff to develop him in that offense, build that consistency, and eventually what, what we saw in Peters in the last four or five games of the year translates into that next full season, and you get a guy that's, that's ready to roll from game one. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. A week or two more, that's fine. After that, I think you have to have your guy. Uh, so if you be, don't have your guy by January, you're you're toast. It'd be it'll be very interesting because uh, I've heard Devito is one of a few in a mix in the mix for Illinois, right? So they've been doing their homework. I, they we don't know everything that's going on there, right? But like it'll be very interesting to see if another guy visits this weekend, right? And if it's mm-hmm. down to two guys, and I think Illinois, I think we'll know pretty quickly who the transfer quarterback option is for Illinois. But DeVito visiting on campus is the one that we know. We saw him at a basketball game, right? That's how we were able to find that out. All right, some other targets. I mean, quarterback obviously is the biggest need because the importance and the hole on the roster. But, man, offensive line is is probably 1B right there with them. You lose four starters here, Ryan, three really good ones. And, and Jack Bedovinak played really well uh, towards the end of the year as well. But they need at least two. And now with a polygon, man, I, I would love to have three if you can do that just because, you know, Julian Pearl I think could be really good. I think Jordan Slaughter maybe would have started a game or two or maybe many games last year if he were healthy. Alex Pilstrom you think could be a serviceable. He's been serviceable uh, since he's transitioned to that offensive line. But there's just no balance here, right? you got a bunch of guys that are – Freshmen or or you know sophomores basically on your depth chart that Josh Poor, Evan Kurtz, Josh Geske, what, what are those guys going to make an impact next year? I, I don't know. Like Brody Wisecarver, highly ranked prospect, had an injury last year. Um, I, I think he's going to be good down the line, but he's just unproven, right? Josh Kurtz played a little bit. I think he could play at center this year. Might not be the best option for you if you can find one in the portal. And Zach Barlev, I thought, you know, played pretty well in the reps he got. So those guys, Kruitz and Barlev, might be able to play for you. They'll certainly be in the two deep. But, man, you need a starting tackle outside of Pearl. And I, I think you need a starter on the in- interior, whether it's center or guard. Um, this is a huge need position. They've under- offered Hunter Norzad, uh, Cornell offensive line. There's a lot of good Ivy League guys actually in the portal right now that I expect Illinois to have interest in because academics, they can transfer for in easily uh, because their academics are so good but this is not going to get the play 
um, that that the quarterback, and I get it, but I did a whole story on options on offensive line because it is so important this year. If, if they want to be competitive offensively next year, they have to find two starters. The number of the number of starts that they graduated this offseason is crazy. You lose Doug Kramer, Palchewski, Vidarian Lowe, then you have grad transfer Girasati, Badinovac. I think like, it's, I think it's close a to a lot. It's 160, I think. 149 from it, three guys. It is a lot. Again, a lot of those guys played early because when they came in, the sell was, "Hey, we're going to start you early," and it was it was ugly early on. But those guys played a lot of football, and you know there was a while where they didn't have that much depth, and those guys had to play a lot of football. Um, and now they're gone, and you've got to replace a lot of starts in short order. Um, you know, you mentioned it, Barlev and Krutz, those guys both traveled with the team quite a bit this year. Um, saw some action, mostly kind of in specialty packages and things like that. But, um, you know, those are two guys I think that are probably primed the most to jump in next year. You know, Krutz, I, I think because he his senior year in high school, he couldn't play center because he had a broken hand or a broken wrist or something along those lines. So he played guard. But, you know, at his core, he's really a center. And so I'm sure this past year that he's really been soaking it all up from Kramer and learning it all, you know, obviously until he gets thrown into the fire and tried by fire, we don't really know what he's going to look like, but, you know, I think he's probably a guy that can handle that. And he's just got that mental toughness to, to work through whatever struggles he's got, but tackle is a big one. Uh, And that's where I think those Ivy league guys that they're, they're looking after are going to be some big options. Um, you know, it's. I, I think I made this joke in a group chat we had going on, but even though Johnny Newton and uh, Keith Randolph refer to themselves as the law firm, Illinois is basically recruiting a law firm with some of these Ivy League guys that they've got that they're chasing in the portal on the offensive line from Cornell or Georgetown. I mean, Dartmouth. They're chasing some high, high academic guys. So you know, it's that tough, smart, dependable mo- moniker that the Bielema goes after. And then one other guy I think could you know, should be on the radar very squarely is Caden Lyles uh, on the interior. I think he's a guy, he played some center, he played some guard. Um, He's a guy that could be that kind of flex position for you on the interior, but former Wisconsin starter. um, And he could come in and play right away. He's familiar with playing in this conference. So I think he's a guy that I would definitely keep on the radar. And if everything works out, I I think there, it, it should be in a good spot for him just based on familiarity alone. Yeah. And it's a position you feel like you could sell pretty well. Right. Like yeah. this is a position on offense that I feel like you show them the barge formation. You show them what you did on the ground yeah. last year and the development. I thought Kramer played really well. I thought Vidarian Lowe had his best year and, and Paucho had some early struggles, especially at tackle. But once he moved inside to guard, man, I, I thought he was moving people throughout the year. All right. Uh, defensive needs here. Uh, nose guard. Uh, Roderick Perry probably underappreciated uh, for what he did this year. I think we saw that uh, against Iowa, especially. And I guess Tyler Linderbaum could have done that to Rod Perry as well. Is as good as Rod is because Winterbaum's just ridiculous and will probably be a top 15 pick as a center, which is just ridiculous. Um, but they needed nose guard help. Calvin Avery thought he played well against Northwestern, uh, but can he can he play 40 snaps a game? Virtus Brown thought showed some flashes against Iowa, but we got to see those guys put it all together. We know talent is there. But there's also not a lot of years of eligibility left with those guys, so they need something more long-term. And, and not a surprise to see them in the mix here with Tara Edwards out of Northwestern um, was a three-star prospect as an offensive lineman, but Northwestern had him at nose guard. Only played five games there, but four years of eligibility left. 
Uh, Terrence Jameson, been recruiting him. Makes a lot of sense for a guy that can add short-term depth here, Ryan, potentially push those two, Invertus and Calvin Avery, and, and give you a lot of long-term uh, depth there too. Yeah, and he's at Northwestern, so you would hope that academics aren't an issue. Right. So, yeah, but that's – I mean, that's a key position. You saw kind of what happened. I mean, a- Avery played well, in, you know, in spurts. He gave you what he could give you. Uh, but you could see how much thinner they were stretched when Rod Perry was out a couple games this past year. And so it's going to be a key position for them to fill that gap, both in the short term and the long term. So I think, you know, if you get maybe a one-year or a two-year guy through the portal, you probably still need one in the prep, you know, in, in prep recruiting from a high school rank. So you've got somebody to fill in behind that once that person moves on. But, you know, that's that's really what sets the defense in motion is if somebody can control that gap, it's all gap control. And, you know, if you can occasionally get somebody to collapse in the pocket a little bit, all the better. But it's that one's going to be key. And then, you know, defensive back, you lose Tony Adams. He's moving on. you got to fill in a cornerback spot. So was it, uh, was it Judy they offered? Yeah. A cornerback? Uh, yeah, Vanderbilt cornerback. Gabe Judy Lally. Uh, I don't know if he's related to Doug Judy for all you Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, listeners. Or, or, or Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's got three years of eligibility despite, I think, playing three seasons there because he redshirted after playing four games, I believe, his freshman year, got the free year, and then this last year he started. He's an early grad transfer, so he's got three years of eligibility potentially, and Aaron Henry coached him at Vanderbilt. So uh, since Illinois offered him, Purdue has offered him. I believe some other Power 5 schools have come in and offered him as well. So that'd be a great option uh, to come in and and give you a veteran guy that you feel like can be reliable and give you a little bit of time and play opposite Devin Witherspoon while Taz Nicholson, Daniel Edwards, Tyler Strain, Dede Snyder, Elijah McCantos, right, uh, can develop and, and kind of be your two deep guys instead of being thrust into duty right away. Yeah, and I mean, Devin Witherspoon, obviously, he gives you a reliable cover corner, but you need somebody on that opposite side. It was a little bit of a, I mean, Tony Adams did fairly well. There were some moments that I'm sure he probably felt he could have played better, but, you know, it was a bit of a revolving door there at times, um, especially as there were some injuries and guys got dinged up, things like that. But having two reliable corners in this defense also really takes a lot of pressure off those safeties and allows them to go make plays. So, I mean, you could really say, oh, if, if all the positions are covered, then that makes it really easy on the defense. But, you know, when those guys don't have to help over the top, they can spy the quarterback. They can die, get down in the box and play the run a little better against teams that run a little harder. Um, you know, the one thing I think that really hurt Illinois' defense this year uh, early on was some of those receivers getting deep um, in single coverage. And if you have a guy that's reliable in, in single coverage – you know, that takes some of the pressure off of those safeties in the back to be able to just go out and make plays. Yeah, uh, I do want to mention edge rusher. Like, if they can get a big upgrade, right? Like, I don't think you just need a guy there to fill because I do think Ezekiel Holmes can be a rotational guy. I think Seth Coleman can be a high-impact player. I think we saw that in flashes last year before his injury. Um, you know, Alec Bryant certainly is talented. Um, you know, DJ Johnson, they recruited. Now they're adding a bunch of prep edge rushers. So I don't know if you need, you know, depth there per se, but if you can get a guy like Antonio Doyle, uh, you certainly would. And, and the former four-star prospect, top 100 prospect out of St. Louis, um, is basically from what I've heard, Illinois or Missouri. He wants to be close to home. Uh, I do think there's one concern here. Like he almost chose Illinois out of high school, um, he, despite you know some of their struggles. Um, he really liked Illinois, so he's got connections there. Corey Patterson's done a good job, 
But the SEC and Big 12 transfers always seem more difficult for Illinois academically. So I, I just want to throw that out there that 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 that's always seems to be a hurdle. While the ACC guys and obviously you know Pac-12 seem like they they get in pretty easily here. So just it's it's credits, it's all that stuff that that's very complicated. We don't have access to all that information, but uh, just one thing to throw out there. Um, I, there's a couple other needs they could potentially add with Daniel Barker entering the draft, and I think he'd like to stay. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Um, they hosted Josiah Myman. Uh, Dunlap kid from Dunlap, Illinois. Illinois was in the mix. I think the first Power Five offer for him went to Iowa. Didn't play really for three years. Was there, I think they're three deep last year, but talented, uh, very similar physically to Daniel Parker. So if you had Luke Ford, Josiah Myman, and, and Tip Ryman, I think you feel pretty good about that. So that, that's a position that people might think Illinois is good at, but they could use somebody uh, that can kind of help bridge the gap, right, again to the Henry Boyer and, and Owen Anderson, uh, the class of 2022 kids. Yeah, I don't I don't think you want to have to count on those 2022 guys right away. I mean, I could see some packages where they bring in Boyer to block just to kind of get his feet wet this year, but my guess is that they, they're hoping to not have to play him more than four games, get him out there on the field a few times, but – you know, save him because you've got a couple good tight ends that are there with, in Ryman and in, in Luke Ford. Um, but yeah, you you lose something unique in Daniel Barker, and you towards the end of the year they started to use him in some some newer creative ways. It just maybe felt like it was a little too late in the season. Agreed. But you know, it, it, he was a guy that could take a handoff. He was a guy that could run those good routes. I mean, Myman's footwork and route running was always really good. Great fluid athlete, and you know if if you were not expecting to lose Barker or you were hoping to not lose Barker, this would be a good stop gap in the meantime to, to fill in and bridge that gap between Ford and, and those, those younger tight ends. And he'd have three years of eligibility left. So yep. that'd, that'd be significant for Illinois. Balances the class out. One more we have to throw out there. Um, they have to continue to upgrade wide receiver. Um, so I don't know how many, I, I don't think they'd add like two wide outs here, but um you know, I think Isaiah Williams, Casey Washington, you feel pretty good about those guys coming back. Casey played pretty well towards the end of the season. I think Pat Bryant can be pretty good. Uh, they really like Carlos Sandy, uh, blocked really well. Uh, I think Donnie Navarro has a potential for another year. But, man, you want to take that up a level, right? You could really use a big physical wide out uh, that can stretch the field. Span potentially could play a much bigger role as he, he plays the position for a full spring and a full off season here. But uh, it's it's one position that like if you can find a guy, I just think it's it can be hard to sell that guy, right? Like it, it's hard to sell that offense, I think, um, and that's where it could be hard to sell quarterbacks too. Is is you didn't throw the ball very well though? I think Brandon Peters might have given him a little bit of tape towards the end of the year to show, hey, when when our quarterback plays well, look look what's available. But um, that's one position that I'm not going to cross off the list. I just don't know if it's as high on the priority list as some fans might think it is. Yeah, I I think they've got enough at the receiver position that they can get by. Um, and the other thing too is I'm I've always been pretty high on Sean Miller, yeah. and I think of the of the freshmen, Sean's probably the most prepared to play next year. And he's he's coming in with the mindset that he's going to play, and just based on his skill and his 
his physical composition coming in. I mean, you know, he's playing at IMG against some of the best competition in the country. He's going against guys with Bama and Georgia offers and practice every day. So I think he's the kind of guy that's going to get into the rotation early, but those other freshman receivers, I think it's going to take some time for them to get ready. Hank Beatty, probably going to get some, out hit some plays. Yeah, I would not count I will out never, Hank. I will never underestimate Hank. Um, but Sean Ian, just Ian, from, Ian Pugh and, and Ashton Hollins, they need to fill yeah. out, right? They need some time. Yeah, yeah. And Hollins, I mean, he's got the speed. He's just he's slight guy. And the same thing with Pugh. I mean, Pugh has put on a significant amount of weight, and he still has a lot of room to go. Uh, and I think his ceiling is is really high. I just think he's going to need that time, and I, I think he knows that. Um, so, you know, maybe by the time he if, he – if he does redshirt, he'll be ready by the time his redshirt freshman season comes around. But, you know, if you can get Miller, Casey Washington, Isaiah, possibly Hank – uh, just to get by for, you know, Pat Bryant, Carlos Sandy, get, depending on what the formations are and the play calls are, I think that can get you by. Now, if you can get one impact receiver in the portal, and there's some good ones. I mean, I don't expect them to be pulling these stars that are leaving Oklahoma. Um, but I could see like a lower level guy, right? Like if, if a kid from a, a Mac school or, a, you know, a group of five, like I think that's where really Illinois might be able to get some. I mean, look what Michigan State did with Jaden Reed, right? I don't think you're going to find Jaden Reed, but if you can find a player that can help you, like it'd be nice to add one who can kind of lift the the floor of the wide receiver. Yeah. Jaden Reed probably should have been at a power five school coming out of high school, but that's, you know, water under the bridge at this point. But, you know, if, if Illinois ends up taking DeVito and DeVito's the guy, call up Taj Harris. Taj Harris is an excellent deep ball guy. He's a bigger body. I mean, and he's got wheels. If that's a package deal, I'm taking that right now. Yeah, Taj like that, if, if if you could guarantee me that Taj Harris was going to come with DeVito, Who he just I would be more sold right? on DeVito. Uh, Taj- he did decommit from Kentucky. So Taj Harris was going to was gonna transfer to Kentucky and he decommitted. So if if it was a sure thing that those two would Tin both foil come, hats feel, on right now. I'd feel a lot I'd feel a lot better about DeVito in that case, especially just because he would have a guy that he feels comfortable throwing to. You know, it's it's not just that it's a talented receiver, but those guys have some history and some chemistry in the past. So yeah. that I think is something that's tough to find and it's tough to replace. Yeah, this is gonna be very interesting, Ryan, because when Bielema took the job, it, I thought it was really important for him to have some kind of semblance of first-year success. And we can argue, was the first year a grand success? Eh, probably not because you're not in a bowl game right now, right? But you ended with momentum, right? I, I think we know this year was not a disaster, which most first years of Illinois football coaches are abject disasters. So they were a better football team, no doubt. Um, and, and I could argue, I think the 2021 team would have beaten the 2019 team that, that made a bowl game, right? Like, I, I think this was a better team, more competitive week to week, defensively just reliable. Offensively, they just struggled to put up points consistently. So the whole point is, like, what can they do this offseason for next year? Like, what is this all leading to for next year? We know 2022 is about the long term, and they're putting a lot of scholarships into the long term but they also can add these transfers to help them compete next year. I think if they could get to another very competitive middle of the Big Ten West finish, I think that would have been an amazing offseason for them uh, because they have so much turnover 
uh, especially on the offensive line and at quarterback. You return a good running back room. Your receivers all come back. You know, tight end can still be a solid position for you. I think your defense loses some key pieces, but you should be pretty good. Like, there's a semblance there. Lovey Smithing left enough talent, and this staff has shown, the defensive staff, that they can really get the most out of these guys. I think you should still be pretty good uh, on defense. So, if they turn this into another five or get to six-win season, I think this would have been an amazing offseason. I think they're capable of doing that. Yeah, the one thing that I look at, though, is the schedule gets measurably yes. more difficult in 2022. So, you know, at at a minimum, I think you want to avoid taking a step back. Yeah, you don't want a 2-10, and 3-9 and nine year, right? Right, right. I mean, if you finish 5-7 and seven again and you're in on a lot of these close games, I mean, I think people can understand because you're, you're replacing some more beatable opponents with some of the best teams in the conference. Like, you know, you're adding Michigan and I think Michigan state back in and both those teams looked really great this year. I mean, Michigan's a playoff team. So, you know, the schedule gets a whole lot tougher. Um, So if you get back to five wins, you're not really taking a step backwards. Um, And I I don't know that it's necessarily going to be all that easy to just get back to five wins, but I think they can do it. I mean, if, as long as they continue to improve, um, fill some of these key positions this off season and really, really have a great spring camp and a great summer camp. I think that prepares them to get ready. Cause you know, they, they had the good win against Nebraska this last season and they kind of stumbled out of the blocks after that, you know, if they can get in there and really get off to a good start, take care of business in the non-conference, especially against this year, a Virginia team that's got a lot of turnover. Yeah, Wyoming, week zero, Virginia on September 10th, Chattanooga, September 24th. You got at Wisconsin in the middle of that, going to be difficult, right? But you could start three and one. And if you start three and one, then you find th- you find two wins or three wins there, right? Like you have a chance. And, and in the Big Ten West, man, there are wins to be had. Oh, yeah. So I, I think if they can address some of those key positions, it'll help. But the key is just don't take a big step backwards because that's what kills momentum. You know, as soon as it starts to slip, they've, they've got to at least keep pressing forward. And if you could just move that watermark a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, it's, you know, it, it's not going to be built in a day. And I know that's cliche, but it's really not going to be built in a day just because it's, it takes some time to institute this system. But I, I think the fact that they were able to make the strides they were this year and good grief, they were like a handful of plays away from being either bowl eligible or seven and five. Mm-hmm. So if they can if they can be on the other end of some of those outcomes this year, and and minimize some of the mistakes that cost them in those games, I, I think you're looking at a team that can take that next step, yep. and then obviously that progress gives you that much more to sell in recruiting, and you just build and build and build. And I think that's where Bielema gets it, where maybe somebody like Lovey Smith didn't. Yeah, well put. Uh, it's just not falling back. Keep keep progressing, and that might just be staying similar uh, to what you were last year. And if you're able to do that, I think, you know, just stay competitive, keep building off that, get your guys in here and develop them. Ryan East doing great stuff, breaking down a huge couple weeks ahead and recruiting. We appreciate it as always, man. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Great to catch up with Ryan, man. Been a while since we had Easterling on the pod. And uh, so we went a little longer that time because I wanted to cover a lot with him, get his thoughts on a lot of things that are happening. Because there are a lot of things happening with Illinois football recruiting and their roster building, both for now, uh, the short term, and the long term. With early signing day next week, with the transfer portal, uh, the offseason never sleeps, it feels like. It's always roster building time. And uh, we got a lot in the works for you over the next couple weeks on 
just that, both early signing period. Got Joey Wagner working on a superlatives piece on the 2022 class. I'll have my signing day spotlights for all of the signees. And boy, I got to work on a lot more of them than I have in recent years because this is going to be a pretty big class. And of course, the transfer portal keeps us busy. Uh, and Illinois is going to be very, very active as it already have been in the transfer portal. So stay tuned to Alana Inquire for all of that. Sign up for a VIP membership as always. And you might want to wait until the weekend uh, for that because we've got another great deal for you. And you monthly VIP users will be able to take advantage of this as well. Uh, so be on the lookout for that this weekend. And 24-7 Sports, i got to dive into this. I haven't even had a chance yet because this came out during uh, our podcast here. But we now incorporate transfer additions into our recruiting rankings. So you can get your recruiting rankings in three different ways. You can get the recruit rankings, which is basically just the preps. Then you can get your transfer rankings, like which classes have or which teams have the best transfer classes. And then you can combine the two as well. Uh, all our, we have data analysts, data scientists working on this, okay? So uh, that put all of this into effect, get the algorithms just right uh, to kind of weigh everything because uh, the classes aren't just weighed on, hey, this guy's worth this many points. It's all based on this bell curve of the top recruit weighs a little bit more than than this recruit, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, all boring, but it's all good stuff and you can check that out right now. It's got team, transfer and recruit rankings all out there. So I'm going to dive into that after I let you go here. But thank you for listening to the Alana Enquirer podcast. We've got more coming up later this week, of course, with the Arizona game, the monumental game of the non-conference season in Illinois. Really a chance. I think they should be ranked next week. Um, we'll see if they are. Uh, but if, if they win against Arizona, they not only should be ranked, but ranked pretty highly, uh, potentially top 20, top 15. So a uh, big game coming up and what could be a marquee uh, chance for both of these teams, both Arizona and Illinois. So thank you for listening to the Alana Enquirer podcast. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you next time on the Alana Enquirer podcast.